Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is online editor Michael Abernathy. I'm here with reporter Kate Croxton. We are running a, a series of stories that Kate has written this week about gang life in Alamance County. And so I wanted to talk with you a little bit, Kate, um, about your reporting and the process you went through to put these stories together. Kate, how did you get started on this story? So literally, I was just sitting in my office one day and Rich, our executive editor, walked by and he said, hey, what's gangs like in Alamance County? And I was like, I don't know. Let me... We look into that. So I, I went to our archives and started going through it. And I quickly realized the last time that we did an in-depth look into gangs was in 2006. And I was like, that is unacceptable. That's over a decade where we haven't even talked about, again, in-depth gangs in um, Alamance County. So I started reaching out to the local law enforcement around here. Um, I eventually talked to the DA and um, the superintendent one of the superintendents at the school, at the uh, ABSS. And the more I dug, the more and more interesting it got. And before I knew it, I've, I've now got six articles to uh, to show for it. So it, it went from just a simple, almost innocent question to just this full-blown investigation. How long have you been working on this? You know, it's so funny you said that because my dad literally asked me that question last night. He was like, if you were to take all the interviews, transcribing the interviews, writing, editing, and, and line it up one after another, how long would you think that you've put into this? And I said, probably easily a day or two. Um, it's it's starting to get closer to like maybe three or four days. But um, yeah, it's definitely been a lot of, of work and yeah. yeah. Well, so, and, and that's... When you say three or four days, that's over um, weeks now, right? At least a month. Oh gosh, no! Because this started, this started back in February. Okay. Because yeah. um, we were going to run it. I was going to start running it actually on Easter weekend. Um, so this began in February, and I was so happy because I had a whole month to work on it. And then when that Easter deadline came up, I was still not done. So I was like, we need to push it back some more. So yeah, now it's 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 approaching two or three months at this point. Yeah. And so where did you start? I think you said you started with law enforcement. Right. So I, I reached out to the sheriff's office in, in each of the individual um, city police departments. And I just wanted to get a breakdown. You know, what kind of gangs are we seeing? Uh, what crimes are they committing? How are we handling this? And after I came back with that, Rich then said, you know, what? it'd be really cool if we could actually like maybe talk to like actual former gang members. So that started off its whole thing. And then I, and then I also realized, you know what, it'd be really nice if I could try to hit this from even more different angles. So like I said, I talked to the district attorney. I talked to uh, Superintendent Monroe at ABSS. I was trying to like kind of get a full scope on it. Um, and the reason I talked to those two agencies as well was that, you know, ABSS, it's, it's been reported that, that gangs do infiltrate school systems. But I just wanted to see how the school system, systems were handling that. And then obviously with the DA, I kind of wanted to get, you know, like legal side on it and how what laws they used or what actions they used to prosecute gang members. Um, so I was really just trying to hit this topic from all angles instead of it just being, oh, police departments. Sticking with the schools for a minute. Mm-hmm. What what did you learn from the schools? So it was I quickly learned it was actually a double edged sword with them because the thing is they have this rule it's called Rule Twenty Five clearly just destroys any type of 
potential gang activity in a school. They talk about colors, gang signs, clothing, um, association. If you, I mean, literally just it goes on and on and on. It's like it's like a whole page in the student code of, of conduct handbook. And the problem with that, though, is that it makes it so much harder now for people to find out if a student is in a gang because they're terrified to show any of it at school. Because the consequence is that if you break it, you could face in-school suspension, you could face out-of-school suspension, law enforcement could be notified. I mean, it's like, depending on obviously the the crime itself, you could face way more problems than, than, I guess, just showing, you know, like a red bandana in your pocket, if that makes sense. Um, Okay. So the the schools have have a rule about it, Mm -hmm. about, I guess, openly advertising uh, your your status or affiliation with a gang. It sounds like from what you're saying that they have seen a decrease in overt advertising. Right. Uh, I, I wouldn't go so far to call it a decrease. It, it, Monroe told me countless times it's more that they're just being more careful now. Um, he And I asked him point blank, I said, you know, would you say that it's been a decrease? And he said, it's really hard to tell. On the other hand, it's hard to even tell if there's been an increase or not. And it's just that's just simply because they're trying so hard now not to show anything because of this rule. And that seems to be uh, across the board mm-hmm. what you learned. You kind of heard the same thing from law enforcement, right? It's just right. not as overt. They aren't tagging. They aren't necessarily wearing colors uh, out and about anymore. Right. Surprisingly, they were. I had several departments tell me that in, in the early 2000s, 2004, 5, 6, 7, you would see people standing on the street corners with their bandanas hanging out. You would see graffiti all over Alamance County. Um, you would hear more about gang activity, and it seems in the late 2000s and obviously the late 2010s, or all throughout the 2010s, they're not doing that anymore. They are being more careful, more quiet, more secret, more hidden. They they don't want people to know that they're here and what they're doing. So that obviously makes it harder. Oh yeah. For law enforcement. So what what did you hear about our our gang task forces? Cuz so there are multiple, right? It's not just one. Yes, yeah, so there's two of them. There's the Alamance County Alamance County Sheriff's Office gang unit, and then there's the Burlington, I think it was gang and violent crime unit. So they unfortunately have to deal with not only just gangs, but pretty much like any violent crimes in Alamance County, or uh, sorry, excuse me, Burlington. Um, that's what the Burlington Police Department. So their deten- their attention's already divided up because it's not just gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, obviously the Sheriff's Office gang unit, they're solely focused on gangs and they come at it with from many different side points. I mean, they go out and do saturation patrols. Um, what does that mean? If they get a tip, like, oh, I think that there's something going on in my neighborhood, they'll pop in their police cars and drive out there and kind of cruise the area, and they might do it, you know, more than just, like, one quick drive-by. They might actually look into it and see what's going on, and if they see anything, and if they hear anything, then, yeah, that'll definitely open up an investigation or, or more, you know, looks into the area. Um, but they do saturation patrols. Uh, they told me that they actually offer um, like presentations to people to let them know what a gang member looks like, what they act like, you know, how to report it. So they they definitely are prepared to handle gangs um, more thoroughly than some of the other departments might. Did you get a sense of 
how often or how many gang-related complaints they get from the public? That's hard to um, pinpoint. And again, that's just because it's hard to tell what's gang-related and what's not because they're keeping it hidden. I mean, obviously, if you have two known gang members in public and and they shoot at each other and one of them gets shot and he's left there, you can kind of deduce that it's going to be a gang-on-gang crime. Um, But if you have two gang members, you don't know that they're gang members and, and same situation they they shoot at each other one's left behind and you don't know he's a gang member how can you possibly call that a gang crime then same with you know robberies or or larcenies unless you know that the person who committed it is a gang member how can you say it's a gang crime mm-hmm. that leads me to a, a point of skepticism that that i've had and i know other people have had which is how much of this activity that we attribute to gang activity is really gang activity Mm -hmm. and how much of it is just a group of wannabe kids who want to be tough and want to be cool and say yeah we're in a gang it's funny you said that because um the sheriff's office was actually telling me that so we talked about a little bit uh tagging it stands for you know graffiti or um you know marking a building with your gang sign um they told me that actually most of the graffiti that goes on is actually a bunch of kids just trying to look, act, and feel like they're gang members, and really they're just 14, 15-year-old kids who don't know what they're doing. And that doesn't, graffiti and and tagging doesn't happen from actual gang members anymore. Mm What did you hear from Pat Nadolsky in the DA's office? So he was was telling me that the DA comes together with the different law, uh, police law enforcement agencies and they like talk about people who are doing really violent crimes or really they're doing a lot of felonious crimes around here. And they, and they kind of focus on them. He was also telling me that the groups have also come together and they help pitch in to pay for a, fel- a federal prosecutor mm-hmm. so that when they do have someone who is a, um, a gang member, they can use this federal prosecutor to try and get a higher sentencing or a more severe sentencing for um, said gang member. Um, a third thing he told me was that if a person commits a crime, let's say he goes to a, um, a house and robs it, and obviously he's going to you know, get hit with breaking and entering and larceny, but then they find out that this guy did it because he's in a gang and that was an order from a gang leader mm-hmm. that they said that um, his sentencing could be exponentially increased because it was a gang crime. In federal court. Yes. Or, uh, right. Because I don't know that I've seen that in state court. I don't I don't know that we have anything like that. Right, because he said this would all be with the federal prosecutor. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it was under issue from a gang leader, that would make it a gang crime. And therefore, the sentencing is way harder, more right. longer, severe than just a normal person who would go do that. Right. Let's circle back to the to the law enforcement perspective okay. where it's not as overt, maybe, but they still believe that gangs are active, that gangs are contributing to a significant number of crimes. Is that fair to say? I mean, you, all you have to do is look at the numbers. And in 2006, we had, I think it was 173 gang members. And, and I think the number was like 24 gang subsets. That has now drastically increased to 30 gang subsets, which over with around 300 gang members. Okay. Um, so if the numbers don't tell you anything... I mean, that's, that's just kind of where the answer is right there for me. And that number, uh, that figure 300 mm-hmm. or so, 
Is that what you heard from Burlington police, from the sheriff's office? Where did you? That was from the sheriff's office. And and again, that is validated gang members. These are the people that they know exist, that they know are, are, you know, I guess have pledged allegiance to these certain gangs. Um, But I was also told that for every like one gang person that they knew of, there could be up to 10 others that they don't know of. Um, so if you do the math, if you know 300 of them, that means there's <laughs> about 3,000 that they potentially could not know about. That's uh, And the population of Alabama County is about 155,000. We're somewhere just mm-hmm. below that. Um, 3,000 would be a significant yeah. portion of of our population. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So what else did you talk to law enforcement about in the uh, tracking and detection of gangs in Alamance County? Um, I mean, they talked to me a little bit about initiation ceremonies, which is always Mm. a um, kind of a gut wrenching topic because they were telling me that. So initiation ceremonies are are when you decide to join a gang, you have to be initiated into it. And uh, the most common basic type of initiation ceremony. Oh, my God. Initiation ceremony, unfortunately, is that you have to be beaten or you have to uh, fight other gang members. Um, for example, um, and MS-13, you have to stand there and be beaten, usually by four or five other people, for 13 seconds. And you can't defend yourself. Other gangs, they make it, you just have to fight four or five other people. So you are allowed to, you know, throw throw your fist or kick them. Um, but that's how, and then they say that you you're beaten so that, you know not to break if you do get caught by other gang members or, or police or, or what have you. So you won't flip yeah. on, the, on yeah. the gang. Okay. So they're beaten so you, you don't break. Um, so that's, you know, they've talked to me a little about initiation ceremonies. And then on the other hand, if you want to leave a gang, there have been reports of gang members either being beaten or even as far as being killed if they want to leave a gang. Sheriff's office told me that that's typically not what they see around here. Usually the gang member can just kind of go off on their own very peacefully without problems, which is, you know, very good for them. Um, And for society as a whole. Right. But uh, those those do those horror stories do exist out there. What did you hear about which gangs are the most active here right now? So I was told from almost every police department um, that the Bloods were the most active. Um, I mean, obviously we're seeing Crips, Folk Nation, some motorcycle and white supremacy gangs. Um, We've also got a lot of hybrid gangs going on. Hybrid gangs are uh, gangs that think that they're Bloods or Crips, but they're really not. But they kind of act or try to act like they are. Um, So we've got a lot of those going on. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's Blood gangs. Okay. What about MS-13 and Latin gangs? About 10 years ago, we had had this conversation where mm-hmm. we were fairly concerned about uh, Latin gangs. MS-13 was the one I heard about a lot. Mm-hmm. What do we know about them now? Right. So as you said, back in 2006, 7, and 8, I was told by the sheriff's office and um, and the Burlington Police gang unit that MS-13 did have a presence here. However, as um, up to about 2016, 2017, 2018, they're not really on the radar. It doesn't mean they're not here, though. It just means that they're not making their presence known. Um, the most common, I guess, Mexican or Hispanic gang we are seeing is uh, Sereños, um, or Sir 13 is, is I guess, their oh, nickname. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not too much MS-13. 
This is the first part of our conversation. To hear the second part where Kate details the interview she had with gang members who are currently inactive, find the story with the logo Gang Life in Alamance. Kate's six stories are running over three days in the Times News and online at thetimesnews.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.